Uh, once again, my name is Stuart Mazel. I'm the lead pastor. Thanks for being here with us today. Um, if you don't have plans at 6 p.m., I would invite all of you to uh, come to our Christmas Eve service tonight. Even if you do have plans, I still invite you to come to our service tonight. And uh, invite other people to come. And if you ask someone and they say, well, I'm already going to a Christmas Eve service, just tell them, well, does your Christmas Eve service have the scripture passages and then the hymn that's based on that scripture passage? And if they say, oh, yeah, it's got that. Well, do you have children and youth reading from those passages? And if they say, oh, yeah, we've got that. Well, does your service have candles? And if they say, yeah, your service has got that. And then you can say, well, will your pastor mention Tickle Me Elmo in the sermon? I bet not. Ours will. You don't want to miss that. So I've given you your script to invite people to, the, to tonight's service at 6 p.m. We're going to continue in our, our series called What Child Is This? where we're looking at um, various passages in Matthew 1 to talk about who Jesus is. Today we're looking at verses 18 and following from Matthew 1. Here's what the Holy Spirit has inspired. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall name, call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we confess that there are moments in this season where we lose sight of Jesus. It's just way too easy for us. So you, will you show him to us anew? Maybe for some of us, show us the first time that we get to really see some of the glory of the Lord Jesus. And whether we've never really known him or we've known him for all of our lives, Lord, show us your glory today. And we pray this in your name, Jesus, and for your glory, along with the Father and the Holy Spirit, our one true God. Amen. 
a few years ago, there was an organization, organization called uh, Christ Life that conducted a survey, an on-the-street survey, in, on the streets of New York City, and they asked people, who do you think Jesus was? And I, I've, I've got some of the responses. This is a video that you can find it online. Here's some of the responses. One person said, I don't know. Another person said, I have no clue. Then there was one person who said, I think he was just a person. Another uh, one lady said, I think he was a marketing genius because he got people to believe him. Another person said, I don't think he's the son of God. I don't believe that at all. One guy sitting on a bench said, if David Copperfield was in the day of Jesus, he would be Jesus. And then another lady said, he was God's son, but so was Gandhi, and so was Muhammad, and so was, you know, we're all God's children. You know, every December, we have a tradition of celebrating a child that was born in Bethlehem. A child for whom there was no room in the inn. A, a child who was apparently birthed among animals so that he was laid in a feeding trough. Why in the world do we celebrate this child if he's just a person? If he's just like all of us? That's what we've been trying to address in this series. What child is this? And so far in this series, we've seen that he is a very, very special child. Even though there are many people who don't know who he really is, anyone, and I mean anyone, can know the truth about him if they are willing to see him for who he is. And who is he? Well, so far in this series, we've seen that Jesus is the Christ, he's the Messiah. He is the one anointed by the Holy Spirit to deliver people from their sin. The things that they do that are, the things that they do, the things that they say, the things that they think that are contrary to the way God designed us to live. We've seen that he is the son of David. He's the ultimate king of kings and lord of lords who will one day restore and renew all creation. We've also seen that he's the son of Abraham who fulfills all the promises God made to Abraham and shares those promises with those who believe. And today, this morning, we're going to explore one more title of Jesus, and that is Emmanuel. Jesus is Emmanuel. And we see that right from Matthew 1, 22 and 23. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. And there's a lot of things that we can talk about with that verse, but I'm just going to focus on that one part, his name, Emmanuel. And, and this quote comes from Isaiah, a prophet who was 500 or more years earlier, many more years earlier. 
Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. So Jesus is Emmanuel. But what does that mean? Well, the text actually tells us the name Emmanuel means God with us. That's what the name means. Emmanuel, with us, God is. God is with us. That's what the name means. And we see that from Matthew 1, verses 22 and 23. Again, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So what does this name indicate? If God is with us, what does that mean? How do we apply this to the way we live? And there are three things that I want to talk about today. Just three quick things. First, this name indicates that Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus is God in the flesh. We see this in John 1, 1 and verse 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Look, I think for some of us, we've heard this so many times. It's like water off a duck's back. We've heard it so much that we've been inoculated to the outrageousness of this claim. It is outrageous to say that God was in the flesh. Think about it. Throughout the Old Testament, when God showed up, what was it like? One time he showed up and it was his presence was a pillar of fire. And people were afraid to go near. Another time when Job was saying, hey, I, wanna, I want an audience with my creator because I want to complain about some of the things that have been happening to me. God shows up, and what did he show up with in? He was a whirlwind, a mighty, huge wind, a powerful storm. And every time God shows up, people are afraid. But as Tim Keller writes in his book, Hidden Christmas, when God showed up in Jesus Christ, he was not a pillar of fire, nor a tornado, but a baby. There's nothing like a baby. Even young children have their own agenda and can run from you, but the little babies can be picked up, hugged, kissed, and they're open to it. They cling to you. Why would God come this time in the form of a baby rather than a firestorm or whirlwind? And he gives the answer. Because this time, he has not come to bring judgment, but to bear it. To pay the penalty for our sins. 
to take away the barrier between humanity and God so that we can be together. Jesus is God with us. What a powerful quote that is. But again, I I get the picture in my own mind that sometimes we even hear that and we say, well, yeah, 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 I've heard it all before. So let's take a moment to really get our minds wrapped around what this would be like for God, the creator of all things, to become human beings, a human being. So there's this uh, organism called a prokaryotic bacterium. And that's what it looks like. Not very pretty. These kinds of bacteria can be all over, in your gut, on your skin. They can be anywhere. One protokaryotic bacterium is so small that 150 of these could sit on the tip of a hair from your head. 150,000 of them can sit on the tip of your head, on the tip of the hair of your head, right? Okay, now think about how minuscule that is, how tiny that is, how insignificant that is to us. Imagine that you became like that. That you left the glory of being a human being and became that. And not only did you do that, but you did that in order to save all the rest of those from a fate where they would all die. Any takers? Yeah. And that's not even close because we didn't create those bacterium. We didn't create the bacteria. God did. Right? Yeah, we're not in control of them, but God is in control. We don't have the power to do a lot with those, but God does have the power to do anything he wants with us. And yet he left the realms of heaven itself and put aside some of his glory. He hid it to be in a human being, to be Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, God in the flesh. Tell me that's not outrageous. And that's what we celebrate every single year. Do not ever, ever let that become old hat. Do not ever, ever let that become something that you go, oh yeah, I've heard this all before. That is an amazing, incredible, powerful moment where God himself entered into human history in a human being and said, I will be born as a baby. I will go from baby to adult. And and then, and then, I will die for these people. (laughs) I will take their punishment upon me. And then I'll rise from the dead. And then I will give everyone who believes in me my life 
my righteousness, my goodness, my everything. That is outrageous, folks. But that is what we celebrate because that's the truth of Christmas. So don't ever let that get out of your mind. Don't ever say, yeah, 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 I've heard this all before. This is incredible what God has done for us. But that's not all. (laughs) That's only one of the three things that Emmanuel means. He's not just God with us as in God in the flesh. He is also with us in another way. You see, Jesus is not only with us as God in the flesh. Jesus is always with his people, those who believe, by the presence of the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. But the fact that God dwells within human beings is part of the Emmanuel promise. God is not just with us in a human being who lived 2,000 years ago. God is with us by the Holy Spirit residing in us. And that would not have happened had it not been for Jesus. Think about this. Romans 8, 9 says, You, however, are not in the flesh. You're not in your sinful nature, but you are in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. If you're a believer, and the Spirit of God dwells in you, you are not in the flesh anymore. You are in the Spirit. And that means you are empowered by the Spirit. You're set free from your sinful nature. And you are meant for something more glorious. And then he says, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Okay? If you are a believer in the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit resides in you. There is never a time. Listen, listen to this. There is never a time where God is not with you as a believer. When you sin, he's with you. When you go to the grocery store, he's with you. Wherever you go, he is with you if you're a believer. Now, I, I hate to say this, but it, it is truth. If you are not a believer, the Holy Spirit is not residing in you. But he could be. And all it really takes is for you to recognize who Jesus is. And the Holy Spirit is in charge of that too. Here's some of these passages. I just want to go through these quickly. Do you not know that your body, those of you who believe, is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? This is what Jesus has given to us. He's not only come to earth to be with us for a period of time, he's given us his Holy Spirit to reside in us so that we are now the temple. And everywhere we go, we're taking God with us. And this is why Paul can say in Colossians 1.27, to them God chose to make known how great, the Gentiles, how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, and it is a mystery, which is Christ 
in you the hope of glory. See, this used to always confuse me because I would say, well, wait a second. We, we confess, when we say like the Apostles' Creed and, and things like that, we say that Jesus ascended into heaven. So how can Christ be in me? Well, it's the Spirit of Jesus who is in me. And because we worship one God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they're distinct persons, but they are interconnected because the Holy Spirit resides in me. That means Jesus is there too because it's the spirit of Jesus. Now, his physical body is somewhere in heaven, whatever that means. But in us, Jesus is always there. Always. That's why he can promise things like this. Matthew 28. Behold, I am with you. Sometimes. Right? Always. How can he promise that if he's up in heaven? Because the Holy Spirit resides in his people. That's how he can promise it. Or think about this one, Hebrews 13, 5. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. That's a great passage for Christmas, right? Why? Because you have the greatest gift already inside you if you're a believer and he has said i will never leave you nor forsake you that's great news that's good news of great joy god is with us in christ uh, last year i think it was last year i went on a um a spree of octavius winslow quotes I don't know, for those of you who were here, you might remember that. And a lot of you were like, who's that guy? He was one of my favorite writers back then, uh, that year. I, I had to bring him back this year. Because this, this summarizes everything I want to say. Here's a quote. The indwelling of Christ in the regenerate soul, in the believer, is not less comforting than sanctifying. In other words, it's not just, the Holy Spirit doesn't just reside in you to sanctify you, to make you more like Jesus. The Holy Spirit resides in you to give you comfort. He dwells in the believer. It is his permanent residence, never to forsake it. He dwells there to watch his own vineyard night and day, lest any hurt it, to upbuild his kingdom in the soul, to subjugate to the scepter of his grace its corruptions and infirmities, the affections of the heart, the faculties of the mind, and the passions of the soul. In a word, Jesus dwells in the renewed heart as its consolation and hope, stopping the proud waves of sorrow which else might overwhelm it, illumining and gladdening it with the joys and the hopes and the sunlight of heaven, Thus, it is a mutual indwelling of Christ and the believer. The believer dwells in Christ, his life hid with Christ in God. And by his spirit, Christ dwells in the believer, his fount of consolation and his hope of glory. Some of you already know this, but I, I am late to the party. I did not know this until recently, that, you know, when, when someone dies and, and they don't want to, um, and, and, and what they want to do is, is cremate the, the person. 
you can put the ashes, you know, in an urn, or you can spread the ashes all over the place, or you can do all kinds of things. But I did not know this, that there is now an urn locket, an urn locket that you can wear around your neck where you take a little bit of the ashes and you put it in that urn locket and then you can carry around your loved one with you wherever you go. Guys, that may sound like a great idea, but there's even better news because Jesus, not just a little bit of him, not ashes of Jesus because Jesus ain't dead, Jesus rose from the dead, and his spirit resides in me, in you who believe. And everywhere we go, not in a locket, but in our soul, in the very innermost part of who we are, Jesus is there. And that will never change for those who believe. Never, ever, ever. Jesus is Emmanuel. God with us, and he is with us forever. Now, for some of you, you might be saying, well, Stuart, that sounds great, except for when I sin. I have to admit, when I was preparing this sermon this week, I thought about a particular thing that I did this week that I thought, oof, and there's shame that I feel from having done that very thing and knowing Jesus is with me and he saw me say those words. He was there. He knew. He wasn't sit, he wasn't, it wasn't just somewhere up in heaven gazing down. No, he was right there with me by the Holy Spirit when I was sinning. And you might go, oh, oh that's, that almost sounds oppressive. To think that God is with me everywhere I go and he's watching everything I'm doing. And man, that's, I mean, that's even worse than Santa Claus, right? At least Santa stays in the North Pole. But that brings us to the most, for me, the most beautiful part of what Jesus means as Emmanuel. Because he, he's not just God with us in the flesh. And he's not just God who is with us by the presence of the Holy Spirit residing in us. Jesus is not only the God who is with us. He is the God who is for us. Do you hear that? Not just with, for now, I heard a sermon recently, and I won't say who it was, but I heard the person say, God is not for you. You are supposed to be for God. And I like that last part, but that first part goes right against what Scripture says. And I, I hope he repents of that. I really do. Because God is for us. Think about it this way. You ever heard someone say, who's with me? Let's go get ice cream. Who's with me? What does that mean? You want to be with that person, right? And you support what they're doing. You support 
what they're saying. You support what they might be going to do. You are on their side. Romans 8, 31 and 32. Who's with me? What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God himself is Emmanuel, the God who came to be with us in the flesh, the God who resides in us by the Holy Spirit, and the God who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? That's a Christmas present right there. The Lord Jesus Christ coming on our behalf, saying, I'm here in the flesh, and then I will be with you by the Spirit, and I am on your side. Not that I agree with everything you're doing. Not that I'm going to be supporting you in everything you're doing, but I will support you. Because you're mine. You belong to me. You're my people. You're my family. And I'll do anything for family. And he did. That's the good news. And I know I've already read a couple of quotes, and this is a long one, but it's from Charles Spurgeon, so you got to listen. I love this. This is in one of his sermons talking about God being with us. And it summarizes so much of what I wanted to say, I thought, I, can't, I cannot go on without, saying, without repeating these words. Spurgeon says, It is impossible for any human speech to bring out the depth of the meaning of how God is for us. He was for us before the worlds were made. He was for us, or else he never would have given his son. He was for us even when he smote the only begotten and laid the full weight of his wrath upon us. Upon him. He was for us, though he was against him. He was for us when we were ruined in the fall. He loved us, notwithstanding all. He was for us when we were against him and with a high hand were bidding him defiance. He was for us, or else he never would have brought us humbly to seek his face. He has been for us in many struggles. We have had to fight through multitudes of difficulties. We have had temptations from without and within. How could we have held on until now if he had not been with us? He is for us, let me say, with all the infinity of his heart, with all the omnipotence of his love, for us with all his boundless wisdom, arrayed in all the attributes which make him God. He is for us, eternally and immutably, for us, for us when yon blue skies shall be rolled up like a worn-out vesture, for us throughout eternity, 
Here, Christ, sorry, here, child of God, is matter enough for thought, even though thou hast ages to meditate upon it. God is for thee. And if God be for thee, who can be against thee? I don't know about you, but I read that and I go, praise God from whom all blessings flow. And they flowed through Jesus to me and to you. That's what we can celebrate at Christmas. God is with us and he's for us. Some of you have a hard time believing that. You're like, with the sins that I've done, with the things that I've done, you don't know, Pastor. You're right, I don't. Jesus does. And that's why he came to earth in the first place. He did not come to call the righteous. He came for sinners. He came to bring people like me and people like you out of the depths of the darkness of despair and misery and ugliness of our sin and to bring us into the light of the joy of who he is. That is what we celebrate because God is with us and he's for us. And if you believe, even if your faith is weak, he is for you. So your action point, and it's the same one that we've been talking about all throughout this whole series, but I want it to sink in, believe in, and celebrate this Jesus as Emmanuel. Believe in him. Celebrate him. The God who put on flesh to be like us in every way, yet without sin, to rescue us from our sin. The God who dwells within those who believe. The God who has promised that he is for us. Believe in and celebrate that Jesus. He's worth it. And find great joy in him. So let's find great joy in the God who is with us, Jesus our Emmanuel. And I'm going to pray for us that each and every one of us would know that great joy, even today. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, uh, for each one of us, whether we belong to you or not, right now, with the power that you have, help us to see Jesus as Emmanuel, God with us, the one who put on flesh to die for our sins and rise from the dead, the one who gave you to those who believe to reside in us forever, the one who is for us forever, even when we are sinning and falling short of your glory still being for us, still coming to us with grace and mercy and forgiveness and a promise of new life. Let that be the great joy that we celebrate and believe in this year. Amen.